heart for our sermon today. Mr. Barnabas Grayson is offering us a spiritual checkup. Mr. Grayson. Good afternoon, everyone. Annual checkup time. You know, Passover is just a couple of weeks away, a few days away. And uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, it says that we are supposed to examine ourselves, whether you be in the faith, to prove your own selves. It says, Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus... Christ is in you, except you be reprobate, except you be reprobate, you know, living sinfully or depraved or wickedly, things that we are to turn from. So with Passover nearing, we know that we are due for a spiritual checkup. And so we are to look at ourselves, to examine ourselves, to see whether or not we are in the faith. First, let's look at some of the deadly diseases that we've heard about and know about. There's the deadly disease of Ebola that was discovered in 1976. It's a disease that just quickly turns the body's immune system against the body's organs. And there is internal and external bleeding Sometimes the blood vessels will just burst and spray anybody within distance. So it's a very dreadful, very painful disease. You know, just in the last year we've uh, heard about the disease of Ebola and how it came close to us here in America. But at the moment it, it seems like it's well contained. In 1534 there was the Black Plague that swept across Europe from, from Italy into France and into England. And a lot of the population of Europe died because of the Black Plague, over half. And that's a lot of people. Today it still affects some one to 2,000 people in Sub-Saharan Africa. But, however, the worst disease of all, as was reported, is a contagious and deadly disease called smallpox. It's one of the oldest known to man that killed about 500 people between 1880 and 1980. If you've seen pictures of some of the um, the bumps and the pimples and the sores that covers the entire body from face to toe, uh, those are horrible pictures that smallpox can do to a person. And if they survive, they're, they're left with a scarring that just disfigures the human body. However, it's been mostly eradicated through vaccines, but there are still some yearly cases. Now, a few years ago, there was a lot of talk about AIDS and an epidemic that is still a threat to life, though we don't really hear too much about it like we used to in the past. Now this disease was noticed in 1981 when uh, cases of severe immune deficiency appeared among gay men. 
The disease, however, seemed to come out of nowhere. And so by 1982, it was given a name and declared to be a public health threat and one in which there is no real cure. And a few years ago, it was reported that 75 million people worldwide are infected with the HIV, which is the, uh, the virus, or which is the precursor to full-blown AIDS. And during that period of latency, just an army of cells grows, and soon it takes over the whole immune system over time. In 2012, 1.6 million, somewhere in that uh, area, uh, that many people died of AIDS. It's an infectious disease spread through direct and intimate contact with the bodily fluids of an infected person who may or may not know that they have the disease in their bodies. It's said that it can take up to 10 years or more for AIDS to develop after being exposed and infected by this virus. So, but once it's discovered and once it's diagnosed, the patient's health eventually worsens and most die just a few years later. Years ago in a seminar uh, on AIDS, we were given uh, a cup of water and uh, just plain water, clear water, uncontaminated water, but we weren't to drink it. Instead, we were to take this cup around in our group and whoever we spoke to or introduced ourselves to, we were to share the water, spilling a little drops here and there. But in that, within that group, someone was given contaminated water. And at the end of this little uh, exercise, uh, we were given uh, a chemical to drop into the water. And if that water changed, it represented that we were infected by someone who we met uh, and which showed, you know, you, sometimes you don't know where AIDS can come from. But when you saw that in your cup, you realized that once pristine water, that body of water was no longer the same. It was infected because of the color that we saw. So it had uh, a lot to do with making an impression on us about this, uh, this virus called AIDS. So what has all this to do with today's sermon? Now we all suffer from sickness from time to time. We might have flu, we might have colds, stomach viruses, and sometimes uh, cancer or other illnesses. And it is often because we're exposed to things in, uh, in our environment, things we pick up along the way, something that triggers a particular ailment or a disease or a sickness. Now, physical sickness can be compared to what sin is like. It's infectious, it's debilitating, it's fearful, it's painful, it's deathly, and the illness can get us down and it can run through a family. It can run through a, a school or a neighborhood. But over time, if our body's defenses are strong enough, we recover and we're back on our feet. In the book of John chapter one, this is for, uh, third John, uh, verse one and two, from the elder to the beloved Gaius, who I love in the truth. Now the elder, elder here can be, can mean an old man or, but here it's used in the sense of an elder as being a senior church leader. 
And John, being a personal follower of Jesus Christ, writes this to Gaius. And he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So we see two things that are mentioned here, to prosper and to be in health. It's a good wish, and it is tied to the soul prospering first. Many of us probably remember, uh, you know, one of the uh, closing phrases of, uh, of, the, uh, of Spock on, um, what is that, Star Trek? He spreads his fingers out and says, live long and prosper. I can barely do that. But that was the symbol of, to his friends, live long and prosper. So these are things that we all desire. But, you know, there are things we do to ourselves that can harm our health and our vitality. For example, not eating wholesome foods. You know, chips and cookies taste pretty good, but they're, they're not going to do us uh, very good health-wise. Or not drinking enough clean water. And sometimes the water that we drink, uh, from time to time, cities may send a little uh, letter that says there's something uh, here in the water that we, you need to be aware of, that it's not absolutely pure. Or we're not getting enough exercise or fresh air or sunlight and not being careful to avoid injury or not getting enough rest and so on. I can probably go through all of these and check them and say, you know, there's a lot of these things that I do and shouldn't be doing. But if we do those things long enough, we get physically tired, we get worn out, we get weak and then sickly and, and they become, become signs of something going on in our body. We don't feel right. Our mood is not right. Our, but all the while our body is defending itself. Cells are dying. Cells are being replaced. But then sometimes uh, it's a losing battle. And so we need some outside reinforcement, you know, like antibiotics or things of that sort. Sadly, sickness does slip, up, slip up on us. You're going along some time and you feel the pain in your body that wasn't there yesterday and it begins to be a little bit of a concern to you. Spiritually, spiritually speaking, false doctrine and false prophets can invade the mind and the body and bring about false ways and weaknesses and divisions. In 2 John chapter 1, verse, beginning verse 7, and you know, it's no wonder that we can be deceived. It's no wonder that uh, things can come along that can look good to us because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. In verse 7 it says that many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an anti-Christ. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God, he that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, don't receive him into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. 
For he that bids him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. We know that the world has a certain way of doing things. It's a broad way that leads to destruction rather than uh, the straight and the narrow gate that we, that we read about by turning grace into lasciviousness. But if they speak not according to God's word, we see that there is no light in them. They may have some truths and do many things in honor of God and doing things in his name. Yet the eternal himself says to them, I never knew you. You see, the last night or the night before I saw this program where this preacher was advertising uh, miracle water. Probably seen things like that before, and for a love do donation of a certain amount, he would send you the, uh, the the miracle water, and claims have come back saying that uh, after they receive that miracle water, uh, they receive financial blessings, thousands of dollars, things of that kind coming at an opportune time for them because they believe that this miracle water did it for them. Now. The Word of God tells us that we must prove all things and hold fast to that which is good and true so as to avoid being weakened by every wind of doctrine which could lead into spiritual sickness. Second Timothy tells us how we can do this. Verse 15, it says a study to show yourself approved a workman unto God that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as does a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. There are so many things out in the world that can overthrow our faith and take us away from the things that we have believed in that we have wrought over time. Nevertheless, verse 19, the foundation of God stands sure having this seal. On one side we see that the Lord knows them that are His. He knows us if we are His. And on the second or the other side, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's how we spot deception, by studying the Word of God and knowing that only God can, can see our hearts and our faith in His Son. Now, we may feel spiritually weak at times, so when we do feel that way, a spiritual checkup is in order and at this time of year we we go to God's Word for a self-examination in Luke chapter 21 I may have skipped a chapter here Brian but uh, oh there we go Luke 21 starting verse uh, 34 it says to take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed to ourselves. Be careful that we are not infected by 
the moral sickness that is spreading around the world. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So for our souls to prosper, we must partake of the, uh, of the spiritual food of God's word and drink of living waters that he provides and by being doers of his word, studying it, meditating on it, and applying it in our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, Verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. They were overthrown in the wilderness, so as not to spread uh, moral sickness. And we see in the following, uh, in the following verse six, some of the manifestations of that sickness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Verse 7, neither be you idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur you as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age are come. Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning verse 23, and this is, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He said, I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So this is a memorial. It's a memorial, a reminder for us in this age as to why Christ came and the reason for his sacrifice till he comes again. And that is why we need this annual spiritual checkup and know the reason why. Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily 
eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So we should, you know, look at our own life. We need to prove our own selves. We, you know, not so, uh, judge somebody else, but to, but to judge ourselves. So the responsibility is given to us to see to our spiritual help to keep from moral sickness taking over. 1 Corinthians 10.16 tells us that you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the tables, uh, table of devils, those things uh, at the same time. But it is a time for commitment to Christ, a renewal to his righteousness, and no more to the leaven of sin. Scripture tells us that there is none perfect, and that includes us, and that all have sinned. And, you know, though we may feel unworthy, no matter what we do, by discerning the Lord's body, that is his sacrifice for us, we see that he has the power to forgive not only sin, but also our diseases and to heal us. So Passover is a memorial of Christ's death and our being freed from sin through his shed blood and broken body. And it is our faith in his sacrifice that makes us worthy in his sight. But we are to individually have an inward look at ourselves, so that we may see what Christ did for us personally. Giving thanks for his love, giving thanks for his sacrifice, in taking upon himself the death penalty for sin by dying in our place. So the sacrament, sacraments of the bread and wine, they remind us of his sacrifice. And not to be taken lightly, but humbly and appreciatively. In this we understand that Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. And we see how the days of unleavened bread place importance upon getting rid of sin and avoiding sin in our life. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, I didn't turn that into Brian, but it says to purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, for even our Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So it is Jesus who came to take away our sins. In John 1, 29, we read where uh, John saw Jesus coming. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. So, if we read throughout John's Gospel, we see many references to Christ, to his link with the Passover sacrifice, and we are reminded of it in the communion or the Lord's Supper. In John chapter 6, verse 53. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. I am that bread of life. So we are to not stop believing. We are to keep believing in order to have uh, everlasting life. Your fathers, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, but are dead. 
This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. But the Jews strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Because his body, Christ's body, had to be spiritually discerned. For some it was made to know that. For others, it was, others were blinded to that. But Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, it's food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. So he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live forever. And these things said he in the synagogue and taught in Capernaum. So this is how we can keep from the deadly diseases of sin by partaking of the words and the promises of Jesus Christ. Again in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 15, the Apostle Paul said, I speak as to wise men, judge you what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? This word communion is, is in the Greek, Koinonia, it means partner, uh, partnership or fellowship and that with Christ when we partake of the symbols of the bread and wine, that we are willing to commit ourselves to Jesus Christ and to his words, that we have a part in his uh, sacrifice. In the NIV, along the same line in verse 16, it says, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks? a participation in the blood of Christ. And it's not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. So in all this, we understand the great sacrifice that Christ made for us. And we're all brought together at that time as faithful friends of Christ. And we remember Christ's words saying, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. At the time of the Exodus, the blood of the Lamb was painted on, uh, on the homes of the Israelites around the doorway. And every household was called to come under the blood of the sacrificial lamb and have it painted around their doorway to be spared from death. Exodus chapter 12, the Lord spoke unto Moses, verse 1. In the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And so the uh, preceding verses 
or the uh, continuing verses say they were to slay it and to eat it in a certain way and to do that with haste. But dropping down to verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. That was, you know, a sobering time as we read that account because many of the firstborn had died and there was a great uh, cry and sorrow over the land of Egypt after the death of their firstborn. So when Christ passed around the bread, when he was on the earth he, uh, years later, he said it represented his broken body and that the wine symbolized his blood in commemoration of that time so long ago. And he told his disciples to do this in remembrance of him. So to eat symbolically of Christ's body and drink his blood, it's meant to be a sobering experience. And we don't see really lev any levity observed because if we notice in Matthew chapter 26, it says, verse 20, Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dips his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. Now let's, uh, let's go ahead and drop down to verse 36. Then came Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto his disciples, Sit you here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came unto his disciples, and he found them asleep. And he said unto Peter, What could you not watch me? Watch with me one hour. And then he says, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we see that Christ is the bread of life. By his stripes we are healed. Healing is a curing or restoring to a sound and healthy condition. And that's what Christ did for us spiritually. The Greek word for Savior is also rendered as healer. So in both of these words, he is seen as having the power over disease and to forgive and save from sins. Mark 1, verse 29, we see Jesus as healer of physical sickness. Because in verse 30, Simon's mother lay sick of a fever. And anon they tell him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. And at even, 
When the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered at, together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases. And he cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, to speak because they knew him. So, we can read on, like in Matthew 10, he gave his disciples power to heal. In Mark uh, 6, 13, that they could cast out devils, anoint the sick, and heal them. In Acts 5, 12, we see where the apostles did many signs and wonders among the people. And today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 28, we can see that there are gifts, various gifts in the church of God, that there are gifts of healing, and that through faith in Jesus Christ. James 5.14 tells us that if there's any sick among you to call for the elders of the church for prayer and anointing. And in the same way, we can ask others, you know, to pray for our healing. It could be a friend or it could be an acquaintance, someone you know that they can pray uh, for you. There are, of course, you know, some afflictions or sicknesses that, you know, it takes time to run their course before they're healthy again. But there are some medicines and there are some remedies that help us back on our feet in, you know, in a little while. But Christ said they that be sick need a physician, someone who can diagnose them and, and doctor them. Of course, we all want the benefits of, uh, of a divine miracle. But as the apostle Paul said to Timothy, uh, to take a little wine for, his, uh, for thy stomach's sake. And even as Christ told Paul concerning his affliction, my grace is sufficient for you. And so we endure for whatever purpose God has in mind, yet we know that God can, and he can heal and will in a time to come. But there is sickness in our world today. It's a moral sickness, hideous crimes, lies and distortions, all kinds of opposites to God's law of love. Isaiah chapter 1, familiar scriptures, uh, verse 4. All sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. And that's, the, you know, that's the reason why we see these particular iniquities. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. In Exodus 15, verse 6, we see where God promised freedom from disease. This would be verse 26. I forgot to add the digit 2 on there, but I'll just go ahead and read it. Verse 26 of Exodus 15, and said, If you will diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, 
and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heal, that healeth thee. In Deuteronomy uh, 7.15 we read, And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you know upon you, but will lay them up on all them that hate you. Further on, we can read in Matthew 24, 7, we won't go there, but it warns of diseases and pestilences that are to come, a time when moral sickness, when the love of many will grow cold, will all just come to a head. So at this time, we do need to prepare for the Passover, what it means to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 28, as, as we know, to let a man examine himself then so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. In doing so, we pass our annual exam, our spiritual checkup through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our healer. Finally, in Colossians chapter 1, beginning verse 19, the Apostle Paul here is speaking to Christians then and to Christians now, that is to us today. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So the Father's fullness, his love, his mercy, his wondrousness and his forgiveness is seen in Christ. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to re reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, our behavior, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven for which for whereof I Paul am made a minister. So in the days to come, we are to prepare for the Passover. We are to examine ourselves, whether we are in the faith, to prove our own selves, to judge ourselves and not someone else, and know that Christ is in you, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, of the eternal God, to read the Bible, to think on good things, and to be doers of the word, and even pray for one another that we may be healed. Of course, this should be, you know, done all the time. But it's time for an annual checkup, a yearly health check, so that we are immune to the spiritual sickness that is spreading around this world and in this age.